Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Selling From Why podcast. I am your host, Andrew James. And before we get started on today's episode, I want to just start off by apologizing once again. I know I have apologized a few times in the past about the long delay between my podcasts. I've had some messages from some listeners asking when I was going to be back, what was going on. So I am sorry. I'm sorry for the delay. The truth is I was working on my most recent book. It is a book called Aftershocks. If you're at all interested in reading my first work of nonfiction uh, outside of the business podcast, uh, business world, this is my first work. It is going to be published here as of tomorrow morning. So for those of you that are interested in reading my work or supporting me, go on Amazon, search for Aftershocks. It will be available from Andrew James. But in the meantime, on to the Selling From Wide podcast. If you haven't, please like and subscribe. I, I like to say that there will be new content each week, and clearly that's not always the case, but certainly I hope I'll be picking it up again from here. But please like and subscribe. On today's podcast, we are going to be tackling a very, very tough issue, a very difficult issue in the world of the PEO salesperson, which is healthcare. Ooh. Very, very tricky subject and certainly one that I have heard from a number of people they want me to cover. We're going to talk about what is healthcare, how do you talk about it, why is it so important for your clients and your prospects, and how do you present healthcare and healthcare strategy in a different way for your prospects so that you can make sure that you are bringing value to the conversation and you don't sound like everybody else that's knocking on their door. This is clearly a very, very difficult time for the healthcare debate and the healthcare conversation, and it certainly seems to be cropping up now and then with Congress, with the government, with legislature. So we'll certainly touch on that as well. So again, guys, thank you so much for joining. This is the Selling From Why podcast. This is Andrew James, and let's get started on today's podcast. So before I get started, one thing I do want to begin by doing is introducing a new segment to my podcast, which is going to be a current event, a a coverage of some piece of information, some newsworthy information that's come out within the last week or couple of weeks that's very, very relevant in the PEO industry or within the HR outsourcing industry. And since we're going to be starting today's podcast covering healthcare, I thought that the best thing we could do is talk a little bit about what's been going on in the news recently around healthcare, around the healthcare debate, and particularly the Affordable Care Act. So as many have probably undoubtedly seen, very recently, Congress, as well as the Trump administration, has gone ahead and backed out of the ACA, essentially stating that it is no longer lawful to consider this a tax or a mandate, that it really, the news is starting to give this sense that the whole, whole Affordable Care Act is going to come crashing down around us. And we haven't seen where that's going yet, so I want to hold off on that debate. I want to hold off on that argument because, as we've seen in the past four or five years, it has been ruled uh, unconstitutional and then been found constitutional. And as, as important as the ACA and the healthcare law uh, rulings are, the amount of back and forth we've seen, the yin and the yang and push and pull, makes me feel like it's just something that I don't necessarily want to dive too far into, though I will say that any of you in the PEO industry, any of you that are sales reps or on the service side of the 
the aisle should be paying attention to what's going on there because it's a question that's going to get raised by a lot of prospects and a lot of clients. So the best way I can answer that, at least for the time being, is that it has seen so many back and forth so many times that it's been found one way or another. The best thing to do is to sit tight until some action takes place. And as of right now, there is really no action that's occurring. Now, one piece of news that did did kind of come flying out of, I think it was first CNN and then Newsweek and then picked up by some of the other the other networks was Alexandria Cortez's tweet that came out uh, just a couple of weeks ago now in regards to the healthcare options that were being made available for her as a congresswoman versus the healthcare options she saw as a waitress in New York. And, and this was a really, really interesting tweet that came out because it was very, very factual and, and really played well to her base, which is your average blue collar, young, trying to make something of yourself kind of person. But it, it does a lot more than simply play to her base, at least for our world and for our perspective. What her tweet really helped identify was this idea that we often forget that the Affordable Care Act is not simply about the individuals and the individual mandate and the state exchanges and the local health care programs. The ACA did so much for large group coverages that I think that we often get confused because there's so much uh, news related to the individual side of things. And this is much more of a, of a national group coverage impact than it is simply just a, an individual uh, affordability and individual healthcare program. So what her tweet really drew some, some awareness to was this idea that the larger companies or different organizations were able to afford to pay greater dollar amounts towards healthcare. Now, we might say, well, sure, that makes perfect sense. You know, if you're a company that's doing better, is more successful, of course you're able to pay more of your healthcare for your individuals. But what that takes away from is the, the involvement of the individual in their responsibility towards their healthcare. For instance, Alexandria Cortez's healthcare plan with the United States government as a member of Congress, she is going to be responsible for paying only 25% of her healthcare cost for a platinum plan. Now, previous to that, when she was a waitress making under $50,000 a year, roughly one quarter of what she will be making as a congresswoman, she was paying upwards of $400 a month for a bronze plan, a considerably less rich plan for her health care coverage that she was being forced to pay four, five, ten times more for the plan. And that, that casts into light a pretty grave disparity that we're seeing. People who are making less money are trapped in a situation where they cannot pay for their health care. And that is something that the ACA has attempted to do a lot to try and change, to even out some of those costs. Now, I'm not going to get political. I'm not going to, to dive into whether or not I think that the way that the healthcare law has, has progressed, whether I think it's been good, whether it's been bad, if Trump has done good or bad things, I'm not going to dive into that. But what I do want to explain is that she makes a very, very big point that some companies, if we're going to call Congress a company, are able to pay considerably more towards the health care plans of their employees than other companies. And certainly those companies that aren't able to pay a lot towards the health care are leaving a lot on the shoulders of their employees. And that can be a very, very struggling, painful uh, situation for those employees as well as for the companies themselves and that's something to be aware of as you're going into your conversations with your prospects another thing that congresswoman cortez pointed out 
is that as of right now, she is being offered countless different healthcare plans under her new uh, healthcare offering or, or, or benefits package from Congress, and she has no idea what to choose. It's all very, very confusing for her. Which brings us to a whole other section that we're going to dive into as we explore healthcare here today, which is how do employees choose the healthcare they're on for many companies, including for our congressmen and congresswomen, they're being offered countless different healthcare plans, and there is no explanation on which ones they should be taking, which ones are right for them. And that is, is just a huge, huge burden for many companies. If congresswomen and congressmen are not being given the, the information and the education on their healthcare plans, it can certainly be assumed to be true that small and mid-sized businesses around the United States, those companies that we will be meeting with as part of our day-in, day-out sales process, are going to be in the exact same situation. And this does a lot to help us understand how important some of this is going to be as we begin our negotiations and our conversations with our prospects. So with that being said, let's go ahead and let's launch into what healthcare looks like for our clients. Before I talk about the, the first really important piece of breaking apart the sales training on healthcare in the PEO industry, which is to say I want to start by talking about the traditional methods of, of presenting healthcare, I want to start by going back and looking at things from the perspective of the prospect or the client. Why is healthcare such a big deal? And why is it something that becomes so pressing in our sales conversations and becomes such a, a big deal? Why are we being forced to almost constantly start talking about this sooner than we would probably rather? So let's start there and then we'll go into the more traditional training of healthcare and why it doesn't always work for us. So the big elephant in the room, right? The huge elephant in the room when it comes to healthcare is cost. Absolutely. Cost is one of the biggest drivers for the conversation that your prospects and your clients are going to want to have with you around healthcare. They want to talk about cost. Can you save me money? Can you decrease my cost, et cetera, et cetera. The drive is going to be cost related. So we want to try and avoid that conversation as, as quickly as possible. In order to avoid that conversation, let's talk about why does a company seek to put in place a healthcare program initially? And the big answer, the overwhelming answer of healthcare is going to come down to one thing. We want to have a healthcare plan. We want to have a benefits plan because we need to be competitive. We want to make sure that we are attracting and retaining our talent. We want our people to be happy working here. We want them to stay here. We want them to feel rewarded. We want them to feel like they're part of a team. It goes on and on and on. But at the end of the day, an owner of a business or the executives at a business are putting the healthcare program in place for the primary benefit of keeping their employees there at work or enticing new employees. It's a competitive benefit for the business. That is the number one priority. So no matter where the conversations go, no matter what your prospect is talking about, whatever they're complaining about, the answer is always going to come back to they have a need to be competitive. So let's talk about it from there. Why, if, if the goal is to be competitive, why does cost sudden, suddenly play such a huge role in this? And this comes down to the very, very standard value versus price argument, right? Is, is the question a question of value or does the question become a question of price? Now, this is a really, really tough argument to make within the healthcare arena. 
Value and price are very, very easy to make when you can clearly define a true differentiator between the two. But what has happened for so long now, for so many years for most small and mid-sized companies is that they have been unable to distinguish a change in value from an increase in price. In other words, the cost of healthcare has gone up exponentially year after year after year for many of these companies while the value of the healthcare has decreased. So for most companies, especially those companies that are under 50 employees where there is no federal requirement, no federal guideline that requires them to have healthcare, and even those companies that are required to have healthcare and would simply be fined should they not have healthcare, for most of those companies, it is less expensive for them as a business to not offer healthcare to their employees. But again, in order to be competitive, they have to offer that healthcare. So one of the biggest arguments that you can have in your head as you're having these conversations with the prospect, again, you don't need to say this, but it's something that you can have in your head, and I have at times said this, is if you want me to help you save money, if truly cutting costs around healthcare is such a priority for your business, then let's just do away with your healthcare program altogether. Think of how much money we can save your business, Mr. or Mrs. Business Owner. Think of all that money we can put back in your pocket by not offering a healthcare program. And you'll watch the color drain from their face because they won't want to do that. Well, why don't they want to do that? Because they don't want to suddenly become uncompetitive within their marketplace. So the priority is competition followed by price versus value. They need to feel that there is a value that they can get from their healthcare that is sustainable against the cost of the healthcare. And the frustration when you're walking into this business owner's office, the frustration they're feeling is that for years now, the costs have gone up, the value has gone down. So why are those costs going up? Let's start there. So first off, the costs are going up because healthcare pricing is increasing across the board. More and more and more individuals are getting access to healthcare year over year, right? The population is increasing, the number of individuals in the marketplace is increasing, the total amount of healthcare applied to individuals is going up. It's becoming more expensive. Now the Affordable Care Act, which was designed to level off some of those costs has not necessarily done that. There's been some recent reports in the last few months about the possibility that on the individual exchanges, some of those costs have gone down, but across the board, overwhelmingly, the costs have not come down. And the reason the costs haven't come down is because the, the ultimate plan of the Affordable Care Act was a give to the healthcare companies in exchange for a give to the consumers. In other words, the healthcare companies were provided with promises that the consumers would be required, required by law, to opt into healthcare. Were they not to take the healthcare, they would be fined on an annual basis. Now, that is still true. That is actually happening. The problem is that that hasn't happened to the extent that it's needed to happen, and part of the new administration has rolled back some of those fines to the individuals, which means that people are, again, choosing not to get healthcare. Now, why was that such a big deal? It was a big deal because the healthcare companies were required by the ACA. In order to be an ACA-compliant plan, they had to offer minimum amounts of coverage. In other words, they had to offer all these different specific types of coverage that needed to be included in every single plan. There was also thresholds, minimum amounts of dollars that needed to apply from the amount of incoming premium that needed to pay out to the individuals that were on the insurance. In other words, it put a cap on how much money the insurance companies could make off of any designated plan. It was a percentage amount. So all of these restrictions and rules were put in place for the insurance companies 
with the promises being given that the individuals across the marketplace would be required to get insurance. And that was important because generally speaking, in any given population, it is the healthy individuals who are not electing coverage, but it is the healthy individuals that the insurance companies want because the healthy individuals pay for a premium and don't get insurance usage. They don't use their insurance because they don't get sick, they don't get hurt. So it becomes very, very important that those individuals opt into the healthcare plan in order to continue to keep costs consistent across the board for everybody. Now that hasn't worked, and again, we can go through the political and legislative reasons why all of this hasn't necessarily occurred the way it was planned to occur, but the point here is that costs continue to go up. As the ACA came into the marketplace, a number of these laws and regulations were put into place. Another big one was community rating, which essentially compressed the risk threshold for individuals within the plan. In other words, prior to the ACA, if you were an 18-year-old male, you could be charged a very, very small amount for your insurance, whereas if you were a 70-year-old male, you would be charged a lot for your insurance. Well. The risk in that marketplace has been compressed so that now the 18-year-old male and the 70-year-old male are paying closer to the same dollar amount. They can't have these huge swings in costs. So that, that compression of the risk within the marketplace has also caused rates to increase. Now, what do we mean by increasing rates? What is an increasing rate? Well, in my time working within the PEO industry, helping companies with their healthcare programs, I have seen rates that have shifted anywhere from 10 or 15%, which is usually what we call trend or the average within the marketplace. I have seen companies experiencing 30 and 40%, and some of those have been the companies that were very lucky because on the other end, the wild end of the spectrum, I've seen companies see 100 and 200% increases in their healthcare costs. This is huge, it is monstrous, and it's tragic for the business owner who now has to make a decision as to what to do about those increasing costs. There's really two choices that that business owner can make when their costs increase more than they're able to afford. Option number one is to pass on some of those costs to the employees. Now there's a limit though. 50% of the plan needs to be paid for by the employer. So if they're already at that threshold, then what's option two? Well, option two is they need to water down the plans. In other words, if I have a $2,000 PPO and my price on that PPO is increasing by 50% and I can't afford that as the business owner, my only option is if I can't pass along some of that cost increase to my employees, if that doesn't do the job and I need to save more money, I now begin watering down my plan. Perhaps I go to a $2,500 PPO or I go to an HMO with a smaller network or a POS with a smaller network. There's a lot of different options that I can use to, to keep those costs down. Now, as a business owner, my choices are limited, but imagine that same event occurring year after year after year. My costs have gone up. I can either pass on those costs to my employees who then get angry at me, or I can water down my plan for my employees, which in turn creates angry employees. So no matter which direction I'm going, I'm forced to deal with angry, frustrated employees. And that is one of the biggest frustrations for business owners. That's why this has become such a hot button. It's why it is such a priority for companies that you're talking to when they say, what can you do for my healthcare? As exciting and as important as it is to realize that we in the PEO world can probably or potentially do a lot to help them with their healthcare, there is something that we have to realize first and foremost. And that is, 
We can't have that conversation right away. We cannot make healthcare the priority, the driving reason for our meeting with these prospects. The biggest question I get from my sales teams and, and people that I've coached within the PEO world has always been, how do, you, how do you get away from conversations with your prospects when your prospect becomes so entrenched in the idea of healthcare? The same can also be said in a lot of cases, the reason why you might get referrals or you might find yourself talking to a business that has maybe reached out to you or someone has potentially put you in touch with can often be driven around the conversation for healthcare. And in order to really understand how do you escape that that trap, let's go back to, to how I started this conversation, which is to say, what is the reason for your healthcare program with the business? What, is, what are they trying to do by putting their healthcare plan together? And the answer goes back to what we said. It is a desire to be competitive within the marketplace. It is a desire to be successful with their employees, to make their employees happy, to encourage new employees, to retain employees, to engage employees, all of the above. So healthcare becomes a much bigger conversation. In a lot of cases, when you fall into the weeds or the trap of, of, of getting into the weeds about healthcare too early, what you will have happen is that the person you're talking to, whether it's the business owner, whether it's an agent of the business owner or an HR administrator or whoever it might be, a CFO, they will start asking you pricing. They'll start asking you what plans you have, what carriers you work with, uh, how do they know that your price is going to be lower. The next thing you know, that conversation will take over your entire a meeting with that with that business. So the first thing to do is if you are walking into a into a prospect meeting and you are immediately getting pulled into a conversation about healthcare is to remember what we've said about your your initial first meeting process which is in order to get out of that that initial meeting you're going to need to focus the conversation back up on the top and really Acknowledge that they're interested in, in learning about healthcare and then just ignore it. Truthfully, just ignore it. So if someone says to you, well, the reason I wanted to meet with you today or what I really want to know about is healthcare, that's great. I certainly want to get in, into the conversation about healthcare. I want to make sure that I cover exactly how our healthcare program works and why it's different. But before I do that, let me start by asking you some questions and then I'll tell you a little bit more about what we do for a business. And that's it. You move right along. Now, if they push that subject too aggressively, if they continue to say, look, I don't care what else you have to say here. I, I, I just want to know about healthcare, then you can probably make one of two assumptions. If the only thing the only thing they're interested in is health in is healthcare, you're not gonna get a deal out of this person, right? We have too many other things that we're going to sell, and chances are you're not gonna get too much further. So if they're unwilling to even bear with you to give you a little bit of time to understand what else it is that you do and how a PEO can benefit their company, it, as strange as this is gonna sound, because I know some of you out there are gonna shake your heads at me and say, How could I ever do that? Close your book close your computer, close your iPad, whatever it is that you've got out in front of you that you're about to take notes on, look that prospect in the eye and just say, you know what, unfortunately, that's not how our company works. We do a lot more than just healthcare and, and I really need to be able to talk about it with you. It doesn't seem like we're gonna be on the same page here. I apologize, but I don't wanna waste your time or my own here anymore. Thank you so much and get up. They're either gonna say, okay, good, get out of here, or they're gonna say, well, wait a second, hold on, okay, what is it that you need to talk about? Make it quick which in which case you can just 
pivot back to what you were going to do. It sounds like a tough maneuver, but I promise you it is the best way to handle that situation. However, 90% of the time, if you have a business owner or a prospect who is pushing you to talk about healthcare right away, simply acknowledge it, ignore it, and then move right along. You know what? I absolutely want to cover that, Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner. That's a very, very important thing. In fact, most of my prospects and most of the companies I work with usually find healthcare to be a pretty big talking point. But before I get into explaining that to you and talking about healthcare, do me a favor. Can I ask you a few questions to get to know a little bit more about your business first? Great. Thanks. Moving forward. Let's keep going. That's the best way to do it. So let's assume that you have spoken to your prospect, you, you've begun the conversation about healthcare, we're going to assume that we have moved past our initial meeting and that we've got a prospect that's interested and we're beginning the conversation around healthcare. So what does our traditional sales training tell us we wanna talk about when it comes to healthcare? This is an interesting part of the conversation because in reality, different PEOs handle healthcare differently. So depending on whether or not you work for a small regional PEO or a national PEO, depending on the size of your PEO, whether you have multiple healthcare uh, options available, different carriers, different tierings, or one master plan, whatever the case may be, even though it changes your way that you're gonna present healthcare, which we'll get into in a little bit here, it doesn't change how traditionally healthcare is analyzed, measured, metriced, and presented in traditional PEO sales training, which is to say that traditional sales training tends to encourage us to focus on the nuts and bolts of the healthcare program within a, within a prospect's business as opposed to the real important part of healthcare. Now, I can improve this to you probably very, very quickly and very easily by simply saying this. For most of you out there who are in the PEO industry, for those salespeople that are in the PEO industry right now, when you think about how you traditionally present healthcare, I can almost guarantee it's going to be somewhat similar to this idea. You walk into your proposal, you sit down, you cover all of the other different things that you're very excited about, all of the bells and whistles of your program and how they're gonna be a benefit to the business. And then you get to the healthcare slide and hopefully you found a way to save them some money because your healthcare program is less expensive than theirs with very, very similar plans and you present that healthcare plan to them by saying, look how much money we can save you. Look at this plan, this is what you offer today or maybe these are the two plans you offered today. Here's our two plans right next to it. As you can see, we are a cost benefit to your business and isn't that exciting? Oh, and yeah, it's a very, very similar carrier. Don't worry about the cam carrier. You're with United and we're offering Aetna or you have Blue Cross and we are offering United or whatever the case may be, but the plans are very similar. And what happens next? Your prospect, your business owner, your CFO, your HR director sits there across the table with you and you guys go line through line looking at all the different details of the healthcare plan and they point out which pieces are better, which are worse, and you make different arguments. And then maybe at the end of all of this, they either say, yes, this looks great. We'll let you know. We, we think maybe you've got a, a good opportunity here with your healthcare plan. Or they say, uh, you know what, it's just not what we're looking for. And you say, great, let me see what I can do and I'll come back to the table. That is nine out of 10 of the healthcare presentations I've seen in a proposal since I've been doing this for 12, 13 years. So how do we make that different? Well, it comes down to one of our previous podcast episodes where we discussed the analysis. In the analysis, we're trying to learn about the business. And as we're learning about the business, we're finding out 
information around the healthcare plans that they've put in place, what they like and don't like. But we're also finding out other pieces of information. For instance, we are finding out the demographic of the workforce. We're finding out average ages. We're finding out male, female. We're finding out uh, what zip codes do they live in? What are they close to? Are they, are they rural? Are they in an in a urban area? We're finding out a lot of information that we're going to be able to use to our benefit. At the same time, we're gathering information around the healthcare plans that are being offered. Now, here's where the average PEO sales rep begins to fall apart in the way that they are designing and, and understanding and studying the healthcare offering that they're about to present to their business owner. So my first rule is this, stop offering apples to apples healthcare comparisons. For those that have, for those of you, excuse me, that are doing healthcare comparisons for your prospects, stop offering apple to apple plans. What do I mean by this? I mean, if you are presenting to your prospect a healthcare plan that looks similar to the healthcare plan they are offering today, stop right now and don't do that anymore. Now, I know that traditional healthcare training within a PEO says that you should demonstrate cost savings. You should always try to show them something similar to what they have now, especially if you are a price benefit. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if you want to have that in your back pocket as a way of saying, look, we can save you money on your health care. If that is something that's that important, then do it. By all means, go for it. But here's the problem. We're forgetting the number one rule that the business owner and the business is attempting to do, which is to be competitive. For most companies, most businesses out there, their understanding of healthcare comes from a broker or some insurance company that they're working with. And that broker or insurance company is doing very little, in most cases, is doing very, very little to help that business understand what their healthcare needs are, what their healthcare program looks like. They, they're doing minimal education. They have minimal technology. They are not showing up on a regular basis to help answer questions. They are not doing enrollments for the company outside of potentially the open enrollment once a year, if they even do that anymore. They are not getting a lot of information. So all they know is that once a year, they hear from their broker who tells them prices have gone up, your options are you can renew at that, at that increased price or here are three alternative healthcare plans that allow you to lower your cost. That is the extent of what these business owners know. And now you show up as a PEO salesperson and say, I can save you money and you're surprised that the business owner suddenly gets into the weeds trying to dig through it. You've basically recreated what is to them the same experience that they go through during their renewal, which is a frustrating, angry, time-consuming, difficult point in their year that they would rather not be part of. You have an opportunity to present healthcare in a completely different way, and now is your chance, and you're not choosing to take it because you're presenting a cost-benefit analysis for an apples-to-apples healthcare plan. It's not a benefit to them. Your job as a PEO sales rep is to focus on the bigger item here, which is competitive benefit for their business, not cost savings. Competitive benefit will always outweigh the cost benefit. And that's something you need to understand as you're going into each one of these business negotiations.
So if I'm a business owner and you have now walked into my business to present healthcare to me, what are some of the things that I'm going to find that are going to be valuable to me from having a conversation with you? The first thing I'm going to say is this. I can't teach all of healthcare on this one podcast. It would not be possible. There is no substitute for simply experience and study of the subject. As a PEO professional, if you truly want to be an expert in your field, one of the best things that you can do is, just like all the other areas of PEO, become an expert. Do your research. Study, study, study. You need to learn all of the things that are occurring in the marketplace and learn how to have conversations around business as much as you need to understand the concepts that are specifically related to your PEO. So it, it is both sides of this equation that you need to understand. Start with the idea of competition within the marketplace. Understand that your business owner is desperate to be competitive, doesn't know the first thing about healthcare, has hired someone to help them, uh, uh, an insurance company or a broker, and is getting very little help or guidance, but that's all they know. And in you walk, what is the first thing that you want to present that's going to help differentiate you from those people that this business owner has possibly been hearing a little bit from? The answer is right there in front of you, right? The answer is obvious. It's expertise. You need to present yourself as an expert, which means you have to, with a certain amount of humbleness, introduce information that the business owner is not familiar with or might be different or new. Now, this does not mean that you need to to destroy or, or call into question everything that they've been doing up to this point. Don't look that business owner in the eye and say, man, you have some terrible healthcare plans. That's not going to help, but it is certainly a good move to start calling into question and challenging the business owner's choice of healthcare plans, even if their choices have been at the suggestion of someone else. So how do you do that? Let's start by looking at the healthcare plan. You now understand the demographics of the business. You understand their need to be competitive. You're looking at what the employees are making. You're looking at the different healthcare plans they have in place. You're looking at the variations, the options, and you understand this company needs to be competitive and isn't competitive. So let's start with what does that mean to be competitive? Well, if I am a business owner, and I own a company, and it can be any company, it can be a law firm, it can be a landscaping company, it can be a snow removal company, it can be a small manufacturing company, it can be a large manufacturing company, a nursing home, any of those companies, who am I competing with? Well, the initial answer is other companies within that same industrial footprint. If I'm a manufacturing company, I'm competing with other manufacturing companies. If I bend steel, I'm competing with other steel benders. If I'm a landscaping company, I'm competing with other landscaping companies. But that is only what you're doing in the marketplace for what your, your business is designed to do. As an employer, you're competing with every other employer out there, which means that if I am a small manufacturing company, I might be able to argue that I'm a small manufacturing company in a very niche environment, and therefore I compete with other niche manufacturing companies, but you're not the only manufacturing company, and it means that you are competing with all the big, large, corporate, national and international manufacturing companies that are anywhere nearby, which means that your benefit program must be competitive with their benefit program. So as a sales professional, you need to understand that that's what competition really means. That's what the competitive benefit of a healthcare and a, and a benefits program needs to look like. And your business owner up until now has had no options to do that. 
Now you are introducing the idea of true competitive benefit programs to them, not saving them money on healthcare. Real competitive benefit programs intended to do exactly what their benefit program did all those years ago when they first put it in place. Help them attract and retain talent. That's the priority. So start with that thought process and then begin evaluating the benefit plans that you are seeing in front of you. You have a 30 employee manufacturing company that offers one healthcare plan, but has individuals that are 25 years old up to individuals that are 55 years old. And you wonder, is one HMO plan going to do the job? What about an HMO plan and a PPO plan? Well, maybe that's a better start. How are they priced? Are they priced similarly? If they're priced similarly, what's the benefit for the employees to actually go into one plan or the other? Does a 25-year-old male have the same needs as a 25-year-old female or a 55 or 65-year-old male? The answer is no. Employees are going to use their benefit plans and their health care plans in different ways depending on their age and their demographic, depending on their income and earning, depending on their location. And if you are not taking into account all of those different fundamental factors when you are presenting a healthcare program to your business owner, you are losing out on an opportunity to present them with something that can help them be competitive. If I am a 25-year-old male, I don't use my healthcare plan very often. Now, that is not to say that all 25-year-old males do not use their healthcare, but as a general rule, in the entire sample size of all 25-year-old males across the United States, a 25-year-old male does not use his healthcare plan nearly as much as a 55 or 65-year-old male does. Now, so if I have a big part of my employee population that's 25-year-old males, do I want to be offering them a rich PPO healthcare plan? No. I want to be offering them a catastrophic healthcare plan that allows them to go and see the doctor once or twice a year for their annual checkup, allows them to get prescriptions should they need them, and essentially that's it. Prevents them from going bankrupt if something bad were to ever happen because that's the extent of their usage. In fact, when you look at the national usage of healthcare plans for the individual, this is keep in mind, this is just the individual, the first benchmark point of usage actually occurs at $0. 30%, almost 30% of individuals electing healthcare in the United States of America in 2017 didn't use their healthcare at all. That is a huge, huge percentage of the insured population not using healthcare. The next big bump actually occurs between $300 and $600. Almost 50 to 60% of individuals covered under health insurance use between $300 and $600 in claims in a year. Now, what is that? What is that $300 to $600? On average, these are people who went to the doctor a couple of times a year because they were sick and they filled their prescription. Or it is people who didn't go to the doctor at all but have an annual prescription, have a monthly prescription that they're filling through the course of a year. That accounts for roughly 85 to 90% of the usage of healthcare across the nation. Most people in the individual, most individuals who elect healthcare coverage as part of a group coverage only use a maximum of $600, $700 a year. That's it. 
And yet we have business owners who fight tooth and nail to be sure that they get a health care plan that covers under $2,000 PPO because their employees need to have low deductibles. Most people never hit their deductibles. And definitely most people very rarely hit their out of pockets. Business owners, business decision makers have been conned and fooled into this idea that those are the biggest priorities. Let me tell you right now, the biggest priorities are network availability, prescription coverage, and doctor and specialist copay. Those are the three biggest priorities for cost benefit to a healthcare plan after you take into account the assumption of the actual premium cost itself. That's it. That's what they're not no, that's what they're not aware of. And yet we are focusing on deductibles, out-of-pocket maximums, and these things are not priorities for the business. So it's very, very important that you keep this information in mind as you are going in to present healthcare to your business owner. The biggest differentiator that you as a PEO can offer is yourself and your awareness of how healthcare can be a competitive benefit to the business. Now, once we've assumed that and we've gotten past that point, what are the other more PEO specific benefits that are going to help you deliver a deal or a healthcare sale to your business owner or to your prospect? The list of PEO healthcare benefits is pretty long. So we can't cover all of them, but let's start with some of the most obvious ones. The first one is going to be cost control, right? There is a cost control to the healthcare benefit of a PEO. Now, again, this is secondary. I need to drill this home because so many people still rely on cost as being the biggest benefit to healthcare for a PEO relationship with a prospect. It is not. Competitive advantage is the biggest benefit. The advantage of cost stabilization and cost control within healthcare simply allows more money to be funneled into the healthcare program um, allowing the business to be even more competitive than it was previously. Now, yes, there is the advantage of cost stabilization and long-term financial cash flow forecasting that comes from being able to say, I know that next year, because I am part of a PEO, my healthcare rates are not going to go up. That is absolutely an advantage. Yes, it's an advantage to be able to be on a healthcare plan that helps me lower the actual premium cost, thereby saving my employees and myself money. These are advantages, but I need to drill this home. Do not rely on that. Your biggest advantage is always going to come down to your expertise in being able to deliver a true customized healthcare program for a business that is going to do more in terms of allowing them to be competitive than what they are doing today. That is number one. Now, number two, is the cost control. Now, how does a PEO help a business owner remain in a cost neutral or cost controlled environment long term? And that's a bit pretty big, long answer. You don't need to explain all of this to your business owner, but we can at least cover the very, very simple method by, of doing so right here. Your business owner is probably going to be familiar with the idea of Costco or Sam's Club, or if not, buying in bulk is a very, very simple concept. The PEO is essentially buying healthcare in bulk. Because of the size of the PEO, the group of covered employees or the group of covered individuals within that PEO allows that PEO to go to market as a large employer. There is a cost benefit to buying in bulk at a Sam's Club or a Costco or online, just like there is in healthcare. The larger the group, 
the, large, the, the, the better the discount or the better the cost or price is going to be. That price is then in turn passed on to the employer. That's the easiest way to explain it. But it doesn't really fully explain this benefit to the employer. And for those of you that, who want to be experts in the industry, this is, this is where we're going to dig into it a little bit more in depth. How does that really work? Well, there's a lot of information to share here, but let's start with one of the first things that we can, which is the idea of a protected group. A PEO is a pool of employees or a pool of individuals within all of these different corporate umbrellas that are achieving a, a more status quo financial situation related to healthcare benefits, etc. by conserving those costs through the idea of a protected pool. A protected pool very, very simply means that this group of employees within the PEO is now going to have a diversification of risk greater than the open market. Now, how is that achieved? And what do we mean by that? If I can say that my pool of employees, let's say I have 100,000 employees at my healthcare plan in my PEO, and they are able to outperform the market. How do we do that? And why is that important for the business owner? Well, it's a protected pool. As a PEO, I have an appetite or a desire for certain types of businesses. And within those certain types of businesses, I know what the average employee looks like, what their age is, what their sex, what their industry, what is the demographic of that employee? Now, because I'm a PEO, I am able to be a little bit more discerning about which businesses I allow to become part of my pool, which means that I can get rid of extremes on the low end. In other words, I can say I don't want to elect to work with certain types of businesses that tend to have higher risk scores. So by keeping those businesses out of my pool of employees, I have a protected risk pool. And that means that I am not as susceptible to those risks that those employees would place within my pool, which means that year over year, my pool performs better than the open market because I'm not allowing into it those high risk individuals, industries, or, 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 or people, which means that I'm not having to pay out the same amount of premium and, and, and costs for healthcare coverage that the standard open market does. That saves me a considerable amount of money. That is the reason why a PEO is able to say, we help you save money. We help control the cost year over year. Even if we can't save you money today on your healthcare, the truth is, is that because you are not part of the entire pool of all businesses and all people out there, you're part of a more restrictive pool, you're not going to have the same risk of a high renewals year over year, which means that next year, if you had a 15% renewal in the open market, you might only have an eight or 9% renewal here within our PEO. That helps to control the cost long-term for businesses. And now that's not the only benefit. There is, again, that cost benefit of buying in bulk, that idea that the larger pool of the PEO can help to lower the individual costs of the plans. But again, those aren't the only priorities. We also need to take into account the idea of education, training, support that the PEO offers to not only the business owners and decision makers, but also the individuals that work for that company. If we go all the way back to Alexandria Cortez's tweet where she said, I don't know the difference between an 1800 PPO and a $2,000 EPO. If she doesn't know and there's no one helping her as a congresswoman, do we really believe that our small and mid-sized businesses have individuals working there that can make those explanations and education for their employees? The answer is generally no. And the brokers are not doing it and the insurance companies are not doing it. So who's doing it? 
Well, truthfully, if you get on board of the PEO, we are. We're going to help you with that. We're going to step in and help educate your employees. And that becomes a huge benefit because if the employee gets a plan that he or she understands and is able to pick a plan that truly is going to be a benefit to them, they're going to be a happier employee because they are electing a plan that they can correctly and truthfully utilize through the course of the year. And that's a big, big benefit. So don't undersell the educational and, and the development training aspect of what you do as a part of your PEO. That is going to play a big role for the employees in keeping them happy. Again, the goal is to be competitive to help ensure that employees are staying longer at an organization. The next piece is the technology and the easing of the administrative responsibilities of the PEO on the healthcare program. If we were to sit and list all of the requirements that a company now has related to putting a healthcare program in place for their business, the list would be extreme. It would go on and on and on. And what are some of those rules? Well, there's the affordability rule, a 9.5% affordability rule in which the employee can pay no more than 9.5% of their gross wages towards their health care. There's a look back calculator for a full-time, part-time equivalency. There is end of year required filings for ACA compliance for both the employees and for the employer. There is a gold, silver, bronze standard rules for healthcare plans. There is the grandfather or even grandmothered healthcare ruling. There are so many requirements that an employer needs to meet on a monthly as well as annual basis regarding just the ACA portion of healthcare ruling. Never mind HIPAA compliance that needs to be factored in. Never mind the training that needs to go into it and the, and the onboarding and offboarding of the healthcare program for employees. If an employer chooses to offer healthcare and puts a 30-day waiting period on it and hires a new employee, who is responsible for ensuring that that person 30 days from now is enrolled in healthcare? It often gets overlooked. And once it is overlooked, that employee cannot get on board on healthcare later. That becomes a responsibility of the employer at that point to pay for that person's healthcare in full. Now, what happens if that person then leaves the organization after choosing their healthcare after they have been placed on their healthcare program, who is responsible for making sure that they are no longer on their healthcare program? Well, that is the employer also. In 2017, Blue Cross Blue Shield stated that they had the best record in the industry with only a 5% error on unenrolling employees and, un and, and removing them from the invoice or bill of the employer, 5%. And that's the best in the industry. The employers themselves, their record is far worse. In fact, you will often find going through invoices and census data for a, an employer, you will often find that there are people on one or the other that should be getting health care and aren't or vice versa, shouldn't be getting health care but are. You will find people still enrolled months after they have been let go from the company because no one ever did invoice reconciliation. All of that all of that goes away once an employer becomes part of a PEO. They no longer have to deal with bill reconciliation. They're no longer liable for ACA compliance. They're no longer required to manage all of the HIPAA forms. All of that becomes part of the PEO's responsibility and by doing so it lifts that requirement off the shoulders of of the employer and puts it on the PEO meaning that business can get back to focusing on what's important. Now, again, guys, there is so much that goes into healthcare, but 
to recap on a couple of these things, the, the most important factors that go into how do you have a great conversation about healthcare. First things first, as a rule, don't fall into the trap of having the healthcare conversation until you are ready. If a business owner is pushing you to have the conversation, change the subject, focus on the big picture, focus on the why before you dive into healthcare. It will help you have the right kind of conversation. Point number two, when you are presenting healthcare, learn to present it in a different way than the business owners used to seeing and you might be familiar or even trained to present as of now. If you need to have an apples to apples comparison and certainly if your PEO requires that you do that, do what you have to do, absolutely. But it behooves you and it is your responsibility to present what you truly know, your expertise on healthcare to the business owner, that is going to be your greatest differentiator and your expertise within that segment, within that healthcare area is going to lend to the biggest benefit for that business because again, remember their goal is to be competitive with the other businesses in their area, not just competitive with the local businesses that are similar to them, but competitive with all employers. If they want the best talent, they are going to need to have the best possible benefits and you presenting the best possible Fortune 500 benefits to their company is going to be the best thing you can do for them. But once you've done that, understand how cost-benefit works for your PEO. Understand the idea of a pooled approach and how that controls costs long-term. Understand the idea of buying as a large group in the open market and how that minimizes the upfront cost of premium for that business. Understand demographics. Understand how education and support is going to play a role in the use and the benefit of the healthcare plans to the employees. And understand how the simplification and removal of administrative responsibilities and compliance responsibilities related to healthcare for your business is going to simplify their day-to-day -day business and ease up the burden of administration for their company. And those are your priorities. Those are the conversations that you need to be having. Guys, once again, I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, for listening to the Selling From Why podcast. I understand that, again, it's been a long time since my last podcast, but I do absolutely appreciate you tuning back in for this episode related to healthcare, how to present it, what are some, some ways that you can, you can get your client interested in healthcare without having to resort to simply price versus price, apples to apples. I really hope that this has been helpful. And as always, if you have questions, please feel free to, feel free to reach out out to me uh, at my email address listed in the about me section. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And of course, as always, read my book, Selling From Why, A PEO Story. There is a second edition now, now on Amazon, which features some new information and some new ways of presenting things like healthcare. So I hope that some of this has been helpful for you. And again, thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Happy selling.